Thank you for listening to the Spare Change Podcast. Finance knows no limits. Today I talk small business ownership and all that it entails with Adam from The Tent Guy. Hello and welcome to the Spare Change Podcast. Today I have on Tent Guy. I believe it's The Tent Guy on Instagram. Uh, Feel free to introduce yourself, tell people what they might not know about you and some of the things that you do in uh, your business and some of the things you're trying to expand business-wise. Okay, so yeah, I'm the Tank Guy on Instagram and YouTube, mostly YouTube. I got the big Tank Guy channel over there, all about the event rental business. Um, my name is actually Adam. Uh, my main business is a party rental company, and off of that party rental company are some offshoot businesses, one that deals with caterers, convenient dishes and stuff, one that is a restroom trailer company, uh, and we have an Airbnb, which is a 12,000 square foot barn into a house, basically a mansion. Uh, I do a little bit of Nerf floors and Jelly Ball, which is air, air bunkers that you bring to people's house and kids go ahead and have fun. That's, that's about it. And I do a lot of online stuff too. Yeah, so one of the things that actually, um, one of the ways that I actually ended up finding you was through your FEC focus channel. For anyone that doesn't know, FEC is Family Entertainment Centers. Um, I know my wife and I have been trying to kind of learn the industry and build a business plan and eventually develop some sort of small family entertainment center. Um, And with the event planning stuff, what led you to becoming interested in FECs? an expo so down in Orlando every year they have this thing called IAPA and I don't know what IAPA stands for entirely but they have bounce houses there they have family entertainment stuff there they got water slide water park they got virtual reality stuff there it's this huge giant complex and I'm just sitting there at the bounce house area where I I went for because I went with my friend who's big in the bounce house business I'm not but then I started walking around and I'm seeing these arcades and all these things and then I, I learned what FEC is, it's Family Entertainment Center, it's not just an arcade. Family Entertainment Centers can be, you know, the glow-in-the-dark indoor golf courses and all the ones I've seen with Chinsey, the ones there were like, looked like that old Nickelodeon show, the Hidden Temple kind of thing with crazy stuff and then racetracks that are multiple levels, just all this crazy stuff there and I was like, this, this is crazy and it was way larger than the bounce house area so obviously that's like a much bigger business so then I started looking into it and just realizing that there's there's so much in this space like in your own town you could have a bounce house park and you could have an arcade but that you could also maybe have a trampoline park like there can be multiple kind of FEC centers in the same town as long as you're kind of like focused on different kind of things and basically I made a YouTube channel to learn information for free so that I could uh, learn from everyone's mistakes. And uh, so when I finally do it, I am way more educated and I interview people that are experienced. So that's the basis behind that YouTube channel is basically like, hey, give me some free info. Yeah, um, a, lot of, a lot of the stuff I do here on this podcast kind of in the same vein in like learning okay I can talk to someone who has an Instagram page and learn about social media I can talk to someone who has like millions and millions of dollars in real estate I can talk to someone who's in the entertainment industry whether it's family entertainment or just doing I I feel like experience is key in learning and if you can learn for free with a platform, I think that's even better. So a lot of what I've been doing is learning from people like yourself. Um, not only just your specific niche, but different aspects of kind of common topics. So like business ownership, some of the things that you've talked about with other people. Like you said, you have more than one, one avenue on YouTube. You've got your event hosting space. You've got the family entertainment center and you've also got where you interview other business owners and kind of just take in their knowledge and advice so I, i've 
definitely gained some things from kind of poking around through your different YouTube uh, channels and then even even on your Instagram you talked about uh, you rented out a trailer or bought a trailer to uh, potentially rent yeah, in the future. I'm, I'm working on that one. Um, yeah, so I bought a teardrop trailer and they've got these apps that are basically like Airbnb but for RVs, whether that's a driving RV, a tow behind, or like a little teardrop trailer and you just list them on there and people rent them. So I've gone through it all and I've got it on there. It might be priced a little high. I, I haven't got any hits yet. There's going to be some experimenting with that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's too far off from becoming um, a bigger thing. Like I, I know a lot of people are interested in whether it's van life or tiny houses, that kind of yeah. minimalist lifestyle where you can be on the move and not have to worry about a significant amount of maintenance involved in your day to day life. So, what what advice would you give to someone who's trying to jumpstart a business? As far as like, they don't know what they want to do yet, but they want to learn more about business ownership. They don't know what they want to do yet, so you want to learn about business ownership. I would say that one's hard. Number one, I don't like a lot of the books that are up there. I, I don't. I'm, reading for some people is good, but a lot of these authors of these books have MBAs and have been sitting in an office all their life, and they can write about business, but did they ever experience it? for real uh so i see more people being more authentic and more real real information on youtube and instagram and things like that that's where you learn real stuff from real people also one of the biggest things a lot of people don't know about is facebook groups there is a facebook group for nearly every sort of business if you want to be a painter there's five groups for painting if you want to own a tank company there's 10 groups for owning a tank company you want to own an fec a family entertainment center there's several groups for that so like i would go join events anything that you're even thinking about that even entered in your head go join those groups i've joined a bunch of those groups and after a few days i quickly realized that is not a business i want to be um and i'm a member of other groups where i'm learning stuff i'm not necessarily in that business at all but I'm still learning about how they run their businesses. And so if I ever do get into it, I'm a little ahead. Yeah, I definitely agree that it's super important to not only network with people, but let network yourself into groups where it's not limited to a single conference or a single room of individuals that are quote unquote experts but rather you can get um, industry experience from people who have actually been doing it for years and years. Yeah. And some of the things I've learned have come from, like you said, just small opportunities on social media. Um, I, I Back in April, I had one episode for this podcast uploaded, and now I've got, you'll, uh, this interview will be number 16. Nice. So just coming out of, my shell a little bit and being able to reach out to people with confidence has greatly improved where I was to where I am now. Um, and, and I think it's for anything. Like I feel like me personally, I dive head on into everything that I get interested into. So, right. you know, I was, I was in the military and a lot of my like free time was dictated what I was going to do. But then I started jumping into other things. It was like, I learned about tabletop war games and how all that works. Um, I learned about all the different types of games that can be played on a pool table, whether it's eight, nine, 10 ball billiards, snooker, like I so many things there, there's a wealth of knowledge online, I guess is the main point of what I was trying to say. Um, but it's like, how how would I know what I was looking for if I didn't at least start somewhere? Um, and I think I think that's what a lot of people overlook is like, yeah, you don't know something, but if you can put your foot in a door somewhere, just like 
whatever it might be, you want to learn more about arcades, and then you found out that there's a whole industry surrounding it that it also includes mini golf and go-kart racing. Um, I, I think there's a lot of potential in just asking questions and kind of digging around online. And if not online, within your own community, like you were talking about, there, there are... Um, there, there's networks of business owners that are more than willing to impart some of that knowledge. Maybe not all of it because they don't want to give away their trade secrets, but it's there if you're looking for it. Well, lo yeah, locally, if you meet people, they're not going to give you everything. But if you go on these Facebook groups, people are on there to learn and share. So like, you'll there'll be a lot of industry secrets on the Facebook groups. I'm definitely curious. Like, at some point. What drove your interest into the event hosting or kind of like event planning space and building a brand that people are interested in, whether it's for weddings, parties, like... Right. Um, so it's party rentals. Um, I don't host events and I don't plan events. People just order equipment, we drop it off. We're basically just equipment rental, but it happens to be for a party instead of construction or or some other sort of equipment rental. Uh, what got me into it is I knew that I didn't want to work for someone, that I wanted to work for myself. And I just happened to have a roommate in college, my third year in college, no, my second year in college, and he worked for a party rental company in that same city, Buffalo, New York. So I'd occasionally go with them to a job site to help them when they need extra help. Because the party rental industry, you're always looking for, for help. So I'd go. Do that. Then one summer I came back home and I figured, hey, I can get a job at a local party rental company because I have experience. And they hired me immediately. That's when I started seeing invoices. And I was like, this is how this is how much they're making for me to put up a tent for them. And I was like, I, yeah, I can do this. So uh, when I graduated college, I started a party rental company. It's interesting, just like the drive to kind of be away from. Maybe not so much away from an office, but away from being told, like, your day-to-day -day schedule, like, this is what you have to do today. And being able to have some leniency and some structure that you can create for yourself. Um, I think that's a driving factor for a lot of people, where it's like, you know, I'm tired of working day in, day out, and seeing nothing, like, as far as personal growth. Um, I think being able to create a brand around yourself, market your skills or whatever um, whatever your interests are as far as like providing a product for someone. Um, right. I think there's value in having your own brand and your own um, drive beyond just... Because like you said, it, was, it wasn't just necessarily an invoice. It was a lot of that freedom that came with it where it's like, okay, I can kind of maneuver my way around. Like, I know I'll be able to do what I need to do off of this many deliverables a month, whatever it might be. Yeah, so you use the word freedom, but the funny thing is that there's a certain freedom because you're not working for someone else getting just paid hourly, but there's a lack of freedom because in the very beginning, if you're, if you're going to become successful, you are putting many, many, many hours in saying no to a lot of, you know, personal events or doing this or buying things. You, it's like, I don't want to, there's a saying like, I don't want to work eight hours a day for someone else, um, but I'll work 20 hours a day for myself. Uh, it, it's, so you, there's various things to the freedom. You're not taking orders, but lost your freedom for a few years but after those few years and you set up systems to automate things or have other people to do things then you start gaining more and more actual freedom in your life yeah I, th I think definitely for anyone who wants to start a business that initial that initial phase of like I've got something set up but it's not just going to happen overnight like there has to be some element of sacrifice to it where I'm going to give up a lot of time and potentially money on the, on the front end so that something successful comes out of it and I'm able to like ha have this stream of income that I don't have to worry so much about like getting a, a set number of hours a week where it's like 
okay, I can rest easy knowing that I've put in like all this work and I've got this many orders and now I don't have to think about, oh, well, am I going to have enough money to do this? Or for me, especially having learned from people in the finance industry and other business owners, I think it's super important to not only build something that people are going to care about, but also build something that you have the passion for and the drive to continue doing. Because um, if, if there's not interest in the industry, like, like you said, where you've looked into other options and said, okay, maybe this isn't for me. Um, I think it's important to know what you care about. And if you don't like test things out and just kind of see, it's it's almost like denying yourself an opportunity. And that's just kind of like my perspective and how I see it. Um, I'd be curious to know like some of the things that you've struggled with in the past and like some lessons you've learned along the way as someone who's built their own brand or own business. Right. You keep using brand and I know everyone talks about brand, brand, brand. I don't care about brand. I absolutely do not focus on it at all. If you just focus on your day-to-day and do good work, that's kind of what your brand becomes. What I'm more focused on is uh, just getting customers and and doing work and then making sure everything's clean. Uh, There's definitely certain businesses where you want a brand, you want people to know you, but in my party rental business, it it doesn't matter. People, people are only looking for me when they need me. Not, if I have a brand that's known and if I kind of like push marketing out on radio and stuff, it doesn't matter. It's not going to force someone to have a party or make them want to have a party. People are having a party and they do a Google search. And I, I guess, you know, the Google reviews is part of your brand. But it's not like something I, – I feel like a lot of businesses get caught up on brand. Like, how am I going to make myself appear to the world? As long as you do good work, you get your Google reviews, that's all the brand you need for most things, for service businesses, for product businesses, completely different. You need a brand, you need a front-facing kind of, this is who I am. For service businesses, as long as you got good reviews and you do good work, that's all the brand you need. You never, I feel like you never even have to focus on it. You just do what you're doing and it just exists that you're good. That's your brand. You're good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get it. So, it, I guess, I guess my, I, I might be falling into that trap of like getting caught up too much on a brand, myself. Um, and I guess that's a takeaway here, as well as, like you said, people reach out to you when they need what you provide. So, when you were starting off, did you like see something that indicated that there was like a need and you decided to build product or like build what people needed as something that you could sell to them? I saw that people were renting tents from my experience. I saw the prices. I was like, I, I know how to do this. So let, let me do this. I knew there was a need because there's graduation parties, parties in all sorts of backyards. And then a few years into it, my friend, quit the company he was working for up in Buffalo and started his own because he knew I started my own. But he knew that weddings were big because he did a lot of weddings. You don't see the backyard weddings. It's in a neighborhood. Unless you drive through that neighborhood, you don't see a giant 40 by 100 tent up. And I never really seen them. Because when I was doing all that work, I was just, the companies I worked for just did little tents, kind of. So he told me, get into weddings. And he showed me how much he was making. And I was like, okay, I'm getting into weddings. Because there was a need there, so I, that's where I started making a lot of money is doing tents and all this, all the stuff in the tent for the weddings. Um, and then you start getting phone calls and stuff. People are asking for certain things, so you're finding out what people need. And I started buying those things, but then you buy it because someone wants it or needs it, and then it only goes out that one time. And you're like, oh, that sucked. So then I started keeping a list. If someone asks for something, I don't buy it until 10 people ask for it because 10, 10 rentals is my break-even point. So once 10 people ask for something that I know that it's a, a sufficient enough need, and then I'll get it. 
I know you brought up earlier um, the discussion about you found out a lot of what the FEC industry was through IAPA, and I've heard of that as well. I'll provide uh, links and resources as far as um, different FEC conferences and events that are in that industry. Were there any events as far as um, some of your some of your other business interests? Were there any like conferences or networking events that you discovered that kind of built up a network around either event planning or Party rentals. So the party rental one, that is the first one I ever went to. It's called ARA, American Rental Association. And that's geared toward rental companies, whether it's party or equipment. So when you go to that show, there's a big equipment rental thing and a big party rental side. And uh, so that's where I went first. And I went to that several times. And then my bounce house friend said that there's a, there's a bounce house one too which it's not just bounce houses, it's the whole entertainment kind of industry. Like, we met guys there who are multi-millionaires buying a slide for $20 million, and then we also meet guys who are buying a bounce house for, you know, 800 to $2,000. So it's all this crazy stuff. Um, so you have the ARA tent and equipment rental show was the first one I went to. Yeah, I think... I mean, for me personally, I've gone to Mill Money Con, uh, which was an event back in April up in Raleigh, Dor- Raleigh Durham, North Carolina. Um, and then next month, or well, almost next month, um, I'm going down to FenCon in Orlando, Florida. And I think a lot of people might kind of underestimate the ability to grow and learn from other people in, at networking events. Um, so, some of the growth that I've seen, whether it's like just LinkedIn connections or e- even just learning how some people operate small businesses and social media platforms, um, being able to kind of take part of what the, they've, part of the stuff that they've like talked about and discussed and implement it as a scheduled, like, kind of structured, this is what I need to be doing to increase my own productivity and my own um, kind of learning just based on what other people say. I think I've picked up a lot. Um, do you offer any, like, specific advice or um, maybe books or... I know you said you don't really uh, like a lot of the gurus out there that talk maybe business ownership, but is there any resource or uh, specific like industry leader or knowledge that people could learn from? Um, do I offer any of that? So I am actually writing a book called Real, uh, like 101 Real World Side Hustles that's focused on like what is a real thing that comes, someone can start as a side hustle, not you go online and you see a lot of these things like click here or hire this guy or accept this job and you go to Fiverr and hire this or do this stupid thing on Etsy, drop ship, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of like weird online side hustle things that are just crap. People just make videos to get look clicks and views. So I was like, you know, some real things. They're not sexy things, they're dirty things, but there's real things people can do. So I'm writing that book. Um, I have a Patreon for the party rental side of the business. So I got a bunch of people who are part of that and they message me and we talk on the phone for consulting. Um, and then I got the various YouTube channels to give ideas and to go deeper into things. Like my party rental channel is all about that. Then I have another channel called How I Started where I interview business owners of any business because I didn't want to put that on my party rental channel and dilute that content. And then I got the FEC channel, which during the summer I can't focus on at all. But during the during the winter, I can start reaching out to different people and get more FEC people on there. Uh, and yeah, I'm gonna be making a course. I don't like the idea of courses either, just because so many people make bad courses. So if I'm making a course about party rentals, it's gonna be worth it. Like I'm gonna put a lot of effort into it. 
Yeah, I think. I mean, like you, like you said, there's there's good and bad to everything. Um, but I I think someone like yourself who has like a valued like, okay, this is this is my history in this industry. This is um, kind of like you have a majority of your stuff that you talked about was like already out there. Um, so starting that foundation of kind of like having a lot of it out there, like pro bono and not really like making people buy into it can almost kind of entice like the more paid or, um, I, I guess like w when people are willing to learn something, they're willing to start at least on the free stuff. And then if they want to dive in and like get specific industry advice or knowledge, I, I think it'd be worth it for someone to buy a book and read it or uh, kind of a one-time fee on a course would be beneficial at some point. Um, and I know other people that are running courses too. There's, there's a guy that talks like military finance and um, how to like build credit quickly while you're in the military with like little personal cost. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's necessarily like, like you said, there, there's always someone that's like out there giving out information that might not be of value. But I, I think a lot of what we've talked about as far as what's out there, the demonstrated value is more often than not the stuff that's going to be like, um, that's interesting. Thanks, thanks for pointing that out because I always feel a little like weird about charging for like info and things and access to the Patreon. But you make a very good point that I've got so much free stuff out there that it creates a uh, I don't know what it, I can't think of a word, but it shows that I'm not just full of shit. And then some of the other stuff that I saw, at least on the Instagram side. You, you've got other people that you've networked with. I'm not. I'm not sure if it's like 100% sponsored, but one of the things that I noticed, like straight when I got to your page, for like equipment rentals, is the um, it's like a foam cannon, foam daddy, um, yeah. and stuff like that was just interesting to me to see. I actually have it like pulled up off to the side. I don't know if you care if I like share it as part of this video, but oh, that's cool. Yeah. So let's go. So I've got your page up here, and then like right away, at least when I click like the link tree, it, it had all this stuff up where it's like, you've got the discount code for Foam Daddy, you've got your YouTube stuff up. I didn't really click on Throne Chairs. Is that another one of the things that you've kind of like added yeah, on? Yeah, so, so if you, the Throne Chairs are better in like a larger metro area. Right. There's people who just have storage units or garages of throne chairs and you're renting out one throne chair for 150 bucks and they look heavy but they're actually very light um so and usually people are getting two of them so there's, there's people who just got into that and they're making like an extra thousand dollars a weekend and just delivering throne chairs this so the foam stuff is interesting because if you join the foam daddy facebook group there's people, they're making over $100,000 a year off of owning three or four phone machines. They're hustling. They have no weekends because they're doing three or four parties a weekend. They're making over $100,000 doing it. And then they start gaining more freedom because they're making so much. They're hiring people to go to the events so they don't have to go do them anymore. They just get the, uh, they just do the office work. But uh, parties... Parties, there's so much to parties. So much. There's so many businesses you can do that are party-related, and then you can branch off. If you're a DJ and you are constantly seeing a photo booth there, you're already there. So why don't you get a photo booth and do it both, you know? Yeah, I think especially one of the things, at least like, like you said, with equipment rentals, party rentals, and even in the FEC world, there's so much... You might not notice it at first, where it's like, okay, I'm focused on the arcade business, but also I see there's like this jukebox machine where people can just pay to play whatever song they want. 
there's vending machines there, and all of those are their own, like, almost individual businesses that you can kind of build onto your existing, um, like, stru structure, whatever you've got going on. Let's say you wanted to do, every weekend there's um, either, like, a foam or, like, special special event tied to one of those things. And then you could charge like an admission fee or whatever it would be to like kind of cover the cost. I think that's interesting in um, if you needed just a slight boost in revenue or if you want to increase like overall like what you're taking in. It, it would take kind of just a small investment to start and then all of a sudden you're seeing um, your revenue jump extremely high based on just one little addition, whatever it might be. Right, like if you have a bounce house park, and for people who don't know what a bounce house park is, it's basically taking a warehouse or an old apartment store and getting a, getting a custom bounce house that fits the entire thing in there so kids can't fall off of it because there's nowhere to fall. And if you added a foam machine, they, number one, it would help clean the, when the kids are all gone, it would help clean the thing. Uh, but number two, it would be like, remember rocking bowling? Like once a week, they would have the, the, the lights down on a laser show and the crazy music. It would be like that. You would have the lights down, you'd get some glow foam, you'd have a DJ there. So every Friday night, that's 20 bucks to get in. And all the kids come and, you know, have fun. Whereas on a Thursday night, you might be struggling just to have a regular kind of bounce house night. But Friday night, everyone's there. Yeah, I think it's definitely interesting to, um, and, and that, that speaks to a whole other thing that I wanted to talk about, which is knowing your customer. Like, it, for instance, for you, you kind of got the advice that like, hey, weddings are really popular here. Um, so there, there might be a specific customer for, you know, whether you're providing financial advice, your, your customer is going to be people who need that financial assistance and you look into like what the market is who's around that kind of needs your product um, and I think a lot of what I've learned is almost not not assuming that you know who your customer is but learning from like what people have to say so if you ask like small questions I don't know if you've ever like um like when you pull people's uh, emails, like even like a newsletter could be valuable information for building up. Like what do people want? What do people need? And you talked about like you had customer requests for things and then you would build onto what you already had. Just knowing like, okay, there's a need for this. Well, I can, sorry. Sorry. Put in a question form? Yeah, so like what... What have you seen as far as like some things that you might not have expected that ended up being um, like valuable to your customer? So like maybe you didn't know that people were interested in uh, bouncy houses or like foam before. What what kind of like spurred that need and interest? Hmm. I don't know. I never, never thought about it. Um. So a lot of times when I get into these conversations, there's a lot of traditional business talk, and I've never been traditional thinking. So, and I've never read any of the books to know what people are talking about. Sometimes it just comes natural. So, and I, I think this business is a little weirder. I don't really ever have to think about what anyone needs. They just tell me what they need, and I either am willing to do it or not. Um, every time I thought what people need and spent a lot of money on it, it's always been a waste of money. So I don't ever think, because I'm wrong. I'm a dude who doesn't <laughs> care about parties. Yeah. So I, I don't want to think about what they need. I'm just going to wait until they tell me what they need. Has there ever, I guess this falls more into kind of what I was digging at, was like, has there ever been something that you just straight, like, had no expectation that people might have, um, like, needed or wanted out of your business that's helped you develop something new, um, like, to provide for them? Like, has there been something that 
completely out of the blue, all of a sudden people want this new thing, and they brought it up to you, and you had never thought about it before? Um, no, not really. <laughs> Sorry, okay. No, I mean, no. If there's a yes or no, it's it's still valuable. I think it's um, like for me, I didn't think people like would care too much to hear like maybe not from just business owners but also people who are kind of just starting out like other people's origin points and it's like you've got a whole thing dedicated to it where it's like how I started and you you talk to people where they they talk about like ground up what their um kind of starting points were and how they've built from there and I think that's interesting I've mostly been going around talking to people who okay they've got maybe 20-30 years of doing something and now I'm just like pulling kind of their specific wisdoms about this or that when it might be more interesting to people to learn like hey I'm not at a point where I've got 20, 30 years in an industry. Maybe I would like to hear more from the perspective of how did someone get started? And, right. and that was new to me. Um, but I think, I think there's always something to learn out there just about yeah. like who, who your audience might be and like what they want to hear. And I don't think everybody knows a hundred percent what that is, but there's, there's always opportunity to learn. Right. Um, so back, back to your point about like being surprised or whatever, um, or not knowing that that was needed or wanted. I never, I never think about that. I think I might have been spoiled in a way because the party rental industry is way different than anything you could imagine. Uh, it's not a normal business. Like I said, people only call you when they need you, and you slowly just learn the various parts of parties because you're always around them. So nothing that people ask for is surprising or whatever. And so I just never think about, I never think about anything outside of really what I'm doing. Uh, how is this going to be responded to? What do people want? I don't, I don't care. If I want to make a video about Dog Academy, then I will. And then after that, I have no care in the world. I don't go into the analytics and see what's been doing good. I could probably be a whole lot bigger if I didn't care about this stuff. My channels could be a lot larger, but I don't care. I just do things, and then they either do good or they or whatever. So, yeah, I, I feel like I, I feel like I didn't really answer that question that good, and I'm letting everyone down. But the bottom of it no, is, I, I just do things, and I don't I don't care about anything else. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a letdown. It's almost kind of like. You know, maybe maybe not worrying so much about like those small details. Maybe maybe just covering what you like. I, it almost goes back to the start where I was like, you know, focus on kind of your interests and what you are like attracted or driven to. And if people like it, that's great. If not, I mean, there's always there's always more stuff to um, build upon just based on what you kind of talked about where it's like hey this is this is what I know this is what I'm interested in and beyond that like there's no need for like overreach and stretching my focus out so thin to where like I'm not really focused on what's important what I've already been developing um, right that's that's a big thing in, in businesses um, that I want to touch on real quick you're in a particular business that I'm just going to use myself because it's, it's easy. I'm in the party rental business. So, like, it makes sense for me to add restroom trailers. It might make sense for me to expand into catering or DJing. What doesn't make sense is opening a store, a, a store that sells clothes. I may think it's going to make a lot of money, but, like, it's a whole new business. Like completely different set of you know knowledge and experience so like whatever business you're in instead of just being like all of a sudden i'm gonna start another business in this industry see the pieces because it's like a pie there's a whole bunch of pieces to that pie that you can add to 
to to it. There's all the different seg- segments and stuff. Like I, I said, the DJ can add the photo booth. They can, they can add maybe the decorations, things like that. Plumbers could add custom ponds kind of things. Uh, you know, just whatever you're in, try to expand on that before you try to just randomly start a new entire business in a different industry. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important to kind of if you're interested in something and you want to build skills around it, maybe maybe there are things that you might have missed. Maybe you could hone focus on like I don't I don't know specifics, but like everything has multiple pieces that makes it all work together. Where it's like a car needs headlights, needs wheels, needs gas, needs doors and seats not every piece of that is made by one person you know what I mean so it's like I I think there's a lot to learn from knowing who your partners are knowing who's working with you so like if you're in the food industry you're going to get connected to vendors that are uh, supplying you whether it's like you know what I mean I, I guess my point is like there, there's always more than one piece to a business, no matter what it is, and uh, especially some of the stuff I've been learning about, like FEC stuff, um, where it's oh, like so, there's so much in that. Yeah, you've got you've got everything from vendors to game mechanics and people who like work on the games, um, and then and then you've got the whole thing with like um, redemption and prize counters and like that stuff can be all affected by like state legislation and like laws surrounding redemption games. So there's a lot that I've learned in that aspect. Are there... Sorry, for anyone watching, and I'm assuming you're going to get into more FEC content in the future, so I just want to drop this little thing. Every FEC person that I've talked to that has a redemption center, you know, the stuffed animals and whatnot, they said that is the most important part of their arcade. Make that flashy, make that bright, make that amazing. Because if that's amazing, then the kids keep playing in order to win. Don't, don't be, don't, don't think like an adult where you hate that. You hate that your kids do that, and you don't want it there. The good ones that are there make a lot of money. So redemption, redemption, redemption. Make it amazing. I don't know how much it ties back to some of the other stuff we've talked about, but. With business ownership and legal structure, whether it's like talking how you want to structure your business from the very start, whether it's an LLC, S-Corp, whatever, or um, thing, things I've learned like litigation law, how it affects um, different businesses, tax law, um, certain things you might be liable for, restrictions like alcohol and liquor licenses, um, Applying for loans, certain certain limitations on different businesses with that, even things like how eligibility for certain like status works. So like veteran-owned small businesses, minority-owned small businesses, whatever. Everything regarding like those initial setups of the business, I, I feel it would be valuable to get some insight from you and discuss some of the things that you faced as far as like just the the red tape surrounding it all like what do you do i'm not sure how like subjective it is but what are some of the things that you've seen that are helpful and what are some of the things that have gotten in your way as far as like initial setup and like structure of the business right so a lot of people won't even start because that seems like a daunting task but when you start you're going to be small so getting a dba doing business as literally going down, I don't know, state to state's different, but you go down to the county clerk, give them $35, now you've got a DEA, you can start your business. Super easy, so don't let that get in the way. As you get going more and more and making more, then you start getting hit with self-employment tax, and at that point, you want to become either an LLC with an S-Corp election, which I think is the easiest one to do, 
uh, or an S corp. And what that does is it makes you an employee of a business and you draw a paycheck and then you take distributions when there's profit and then there's no more self-employment tax, which is a real killer on you if you're just a DBA. That's really the only thing. Every business I've had, there's been no red tape, there's been no licenses, no nothing. It was just the uh, getting hit with that self-employment tax as a DBA is, is pretty hard. So as you start making more money, you know, talk to your CPA or your accountant or financial advisor on when you should be switching either to an LLC with an S-Corp election or maybe to a straight S-Corp. Yeah, that's interesting to hear. That's actually the first time I've ever been told about a DBA. So that's definitely something that I'll be taking away from this. Um, yeah, mo most talk around businesses that I've seen is like LLC and how to like how to start in different states or like uh, here's all the benefits for each state. This one, you know, it's easier to kind of have some anonymity to your business where people might not be able to like as easily come after your personal assets or um, well but, so if you're just starting a business a lot of people don't have any personal assets they right. might be in their mom's basement what kind of personal assets are they going to come after you your, your used 1999 Chevy <laughs> pickup like now if, if you're in your 50s and you got a bunch of money in the bank and you're starting starting a business by investing $500,000 maybe yeah, most likely get an LLC or S Corp. But I feel like the people that are mostly watching this, the people we're talking to, the people I'm talking to on a regular basis, don't really have anything yet. So a, D, a DBA is fine and cheap and gets you going. And if something happens, they're going to come for your Pokemon collection and your $1,000 in the bank and your truck or whatever, or whatever crappy car you're driving. So don't, don't worry too much about that. Yeah. I think that's super valuable. Um, like I said, a lot, of, a lot of this is first heard for me, so definitely going to take that away from this. We are getting kind of just a little short on time, so I would love to cover, like, what are your plans? Personal business, what, what does the next, like, 30 or so days look like for you? And then um, kind of cover where people can find you if they want to hear more about the things that you're doing. Okay, the next 30 days is just putting up tents and taking down tents that ends middle of October. Um, but I'm also trying to buy more properties for either rent or Airbnb. And I'm testing out this RV rental with my teardrop trailer. And if that goes okay, then I'm gonna buy a converted van and rent that. Uh, uh, my five-year plan is this business, I'm no longer gonna be working in it. I'm gonna be 100% away from it and people will run it and I'll be doing other things. Uh, so my long-term plan, five-year plan. I want to be basically retired in five years with just one bunch of rental properties and things that make money without so much uh, physical labor. So where can you find me? That's a lot of things. So I'm on YouTube called uh, The Tank Guy. And then another channel, How I Started, where I just do general businesses. Then there's the FEC channel about family entertainment centers. And on TikTok, I am the real world side hustles. And Instagram, I'm the tent guy and the real world side hustles. And that's about it. And if you like coin pushers, I have a channel where I bought a coin pusher and I pretend I'm at a casino and play a coin pushing game. And that's coin pushing craziness on YouTube. Awesome, awesome. Definitely want to just kind of like recap. Some of the things that you've done, you've built businesses and you've developed, um, like you said, you're writing a book, you got a lot going on and I think the information that you provide, not only for free, but eventually, you know, if you build a course out and kind of develop cohorts and people kind of like appreciate the knowledge you're given, like I do, I think I don't, I don't see anything but success in your future, and I'm glad to have learned from you today as well as anybody else who uh, decides to give this a listen. I appreciate your time, man, and I just wanted to hey, say hey, thank you for coming on. I got on. one more thing that I like to oh. throw in every podcast. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Perfect. Okay, so no, no matter whatever, whatever business you're in, you actually have to sit down and think about what your actual business is. People 
say that I'm in the party business because the end result of my business is a party. But I'm not. I'm not there for the party. The business that I'm actually in is material handling and logistics. So in order for me to create more profit, I need to figure out that business entirely. I need to buy stuff to make stuff more efficient. I need to put things on wheels. I need to figure out how to get stuff from the, from the warehouse to the truck, from the truck to the site, and turn it back all around. In the beginning, I'm focusing on, I'm in the party business. But then I realized, I'm not. Just how do I move stuff as fast as possible? And then once I started doing that, that's when the profits increased. I didn't even have to increase revenue. Revenue stayed the same. Profits increased. And then another example is I was talking to a chiropractor. And everyone would say he's in the business of fixing backs, which he kind of is. But he realized that the business that he's actually in is marketing and customer acquisition. Because he can fix all the backs he wants and just hope people come in. And they only have 30 clients a month. But if he spends half of his day focusing being a marketing business, now he's getting 400 people in a month as opposed to 30. So even though his the, the end goal of your business is not always what your business needs to focus on. So whatever you're doing, take a step back and think about where you should actually be focusing, not what is the end result of your business. Yeah, totally agree. I think... Um... What a lot of people don't realize is at some point you're going to need those those crucial skills of like interacting with others, whether it's on social media or it's like in person. Um, I think that's a great way to wrap things up. Just like kind of maybe you might be focused on something wholeheartedly and you really believe like this is the one thing. But if you take a step back, you might learn something. I've definitely learned things today. And I think a lot of the mindset shift and new focuses that we talked about can help not just ourselves, but other people as well. Um, like I said, glad to have you on. Really appreciate your time and the knowledge you were able to kind of pass on today. Um, I'll, I'll drop all your social media content and uh, different channels where people can find you below. Uh, other than that, man, have a great Friday. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Spare Change Podcast. Please follow, share, and remember finance knows no limits.